Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. There's stuff that happen within our lives on a regular basis. We may not have a clue what the answer is or the reason behind it. But God has called for us to trust Him, doubting nothing. Lord, I don't like this situation. This situation is not a good situation. This situation makes no sense. The end run of this thing, as far as I can see, man, it's, it's a dead end. But God says, no, you trust me. You doubt nothing. You keep trusting me even in the midst, yeah, the midst of that storm, in the midst of that fear, in the midst of that doubt. You trust me, not your own logic. Is your faith in Jesus strong enough to hold even through the most brutal of times? Today, Pastor David teaches you that Christianity doesn't guarantee ease of life. In fact, it may very well bring with it more complications. Nonetheless, if you've truly placed Christ as your center, nothing will be able to break you. Commit to knowing Him and His Word, and you can rest assured that the most harsh of storms and the most cruel of situations will only strengthen your relationship with Him. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 10 as he continues his message, A Divine Appointment. Well, right now, God is going to take Simon Peter to school, actually to school again, because as we read through the gospel accounts and even through Acts, we find Peter going to school a whole lot, the school of hard knocks, and some of us have never graduated that school, amen? We're we're still there. Uh, Again, Acts 10, but let's look down in verse 9, and again, as we looked last week, God had already sent an angel to tell Cornelius that God was pleased with him. The angel also instructed Cornelius to send some folks down to Joppa to find Peter. So he'll come and Peter will tell you what you must do. So now we are at Acts 10 verse 9. The next day, as they, that group that was going to go down and get Peter, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. The sixth hour is about noon. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Happens to me sometimes when I want to eat. (laughs) But this is different. This is different. While they made ready, he fell into a trance, and he saw heaven opened, and an object like a great sheet bound at four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. Now, before we go any further, let me set the scene for you here. Peter had felt led by the Holy Spirit. We read this earlier on in the earlier uh, of of the chapter prior to this, chapter 9. 
had been led by the Holy Spirit to move around all parts of the country. Uh, he finally came to the saints that dwelt in Lydda. And Lydda was a small town located between Jerusalem and Joppa. Joppa was by the sea, again, a port city. Lydda was about 11 miles from Joppa. Well, while he was at Lydda, uh, Lydda uh, that's where Peter saw this man, Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years. He was paralyzed. God healed Aeneas through, again, the, the, the work of Peter. It was about this same time that Aeneas was healed, 11 miles down the road in Joppa, this young woman by the name of Tabitha, uh, also known as uh, Dorcas, she became sick and she died. And they sent the disciples from Joppa to go find Peter in Lydda to come uh, to Joppa. And when he gets to Joppa, he prays over Tabitha. She raises from the dead an absolute amazing miracle of God. And then we see in chapter 9, verse 42, it became known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord. So it was that he, Peter, stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. So he's at the house of Simon the tanner. And one day around noon, while he's at Simon's house, waiting for that falafel sandwich uh, to be ready and go, he, he goes up to the rooftop and begins praying. While he's waiting for lunch, during his prayer, that's when he fell into the trance. That's when he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him, let down to the earth. Verse 12 now. In that sheet that was lowered, in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts and creeping things. Remember, we just read about these things. And birds of the air. And a voice came and said, rise up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, we really don't see Luke saying that all of these were, again, unclean animals. But I believe that by the context of what we see here, they are probably, if not all, they are mostly unclean. And Peter's response to that, again, being under the Levitical law still, because he still has his Jewish mindset, even though he is now a Christian, verse 14 says that Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Like any good Jew of his time, Peter knew what was clean. He knew what was unclean. And God's word was very clear, just as we read earlier about these things. And he had been trained with that ever since childhood. And even as a fisherman, he knew that when he brought in his net, there were some of those fish that were good to eat, good to sell at the Jewish marketplace. There was others that were unclean that they had to get rid of, throw back into the sea. So again, he understood that. Peter was definitely not ignorant of these things. And his, and his response to this call to say, rise up, Peter, kill and eat, it was very logical, very logical. It just made absolute good Jewish sense. No way. I'm not going to kill that. I've, I've, I've never eaten anything unclean. I'm not going to go there. But the problem is, gang, Sometimes our God does not move in human logical ways. I don't know if you've noticed that yourself, but I've noticed it in my 66 years that God moves many times in ways that are absolutely illogical to my thinking. In Peter's refusal to obey what the Lord was telling him to do, 
God spoke to him again. Look at verse 15. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. And then this was done three times, and the object was then taken up into heaven again. Now, I don't know if you remember or not, but Peter always seemed to have this habit of having a better plan than God. God would, uh, anybody else have, ever have that problem? He comes to me, yeah, no, I, I, I got this thing, God. Back in Matthew 16, you don't need to turn there, but you'll probably remember, Jesus is telling the disciples, I, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem. When I get to Jerusalem, uh, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, uh, not only arrested, but they're going to crucify me, but don't worry, I'm going to raise again in three days. Well, it was our man, Simon Peter, that had a better idea. And so he took Jesus privately off to the side and he actually began to rebuke Jesus. That's what Matthew tells us. Peter began to rebuke Jesus. Can you imagine even the thought of that? And he said, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. And Jesus says, wow, thanks, Peter. That's a much better plan than what God had. No, what did he say? He turned to Simon Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan, because you're an offense to me. For you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Peter, you're moving in the logic of man and not through the direction of the spirit of God. If you remember in the upper room on the night that he was betrayed, John tells us in his gospel account that, that Jesus began to wash all the disciples' feet. He was giving them an object lesson on, on, on servanthood at that point in time. And when he got to old Peter, uh, suddenly Peter began to balk at this whole thing. And John tells us that Peter told Jesus, you shall never wash my feet. He had a better plan. And Jesus answered him, said, if I don't wash your feet, then you'll have no part of me. Well, Peter, instead of being quiet and saying, Lord, do as you will. No, he decided he still had a better plan than God. He said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And again, Peter, you're still in your mindset. You're still going your direction. It was Peter, remember, he was the one that, that, that bragged about the fact, if I have to die with you, I'll not deny you. And yet he's the very one that denied with cursing and swearing as he left that courtyard during the time of the trials of Jesus. He was the one, remember, Peter was the one who determined to do it his way instead of the Lord's way but in there in the garden as they were arresting Jesus. And Peter took out the sword and swung it and took off the ear of Malchus, the high, chief's, or the high priest's uh, servant. That was Peter, it seems he always had a better plan than the Lord. Sad, isn't it? Some guys just never learn, do we? I look at some of these things and, and I began to wonder. I said, really? All of that, Lord, and you're still going to use that guy. And then I hear the word of the Father with loving grace and mercy says, I'm still using you, aren't I? 
let's move on. Uh, we're, we're back in Acts again, Acts 10, verse 15. And so a voice spoke to Peter again that second time. What well, God has cleansed, do not call common. It was done three times. The object was taken up. Verse 17, now, while Peter wondered, he didn't know what was going on at this time. He has not figured out the object lesson at this point in time. While Peter wondered within himself what that vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house. In other words, they had gone around the town. Hey, we're looking for Simon the Tanner's house. Do you know where it's at? Well, they had found it. Now they stood before the gate. And verse 18 says, And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. Now there's a lot of discussion before we get too far about why it took Peter those three times, why that vision came three times. Most feel that it's probably, again, a reminder of the, the denial of three times that Peter made. A very clear reminder that Peter, it's not your plan that is the important one. It's God's plan, and you've got to be willing to follow God's plan. And I believe that, again, it was just simply one of God's gentle lessons to a man that actually God loved very much. God wanted, God desired to use Peter for the glory of the kingdom of heaven. God loved Peter so much, he wanted to give him a chance to succeed in life and in ministry. And so God continued to give Peter these gentle reminders to submit and trust the Holy Spirit. And beloved, he does the same thing for you and I. Otherwise, the first time we blow it, we'd, we'd be put on the shelf and never used or called again. And I look at my life and I think there's multiple, multiple times that if I were God, I would have put me on the shelf. But God continues to work, God continues to teach, God continues to call us to himself and pour into us his desire and his plan. It's no wonder that later, Peter continues to mature in his faith and his, his, his obedience to that wooing of the Holy Spirit in his life. And in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, he writes about the fact that it's God's abundant mercy which has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. Kept by the power of God. Continue to let that soak into your head. We are kept by the power of God. Not because we're always doing everything so well, because, beloved, we don't. We blow it continually. And if it was not for the power of God, that abundant mercy that he works and moves in us, none of us would have any hope. He says you are kept by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Peter finally grows to that understanding that it's not his plans. Peter knew that it wasn't his power. It was and always will be the power of God through faith. Now here he's on Simon the Tanner's roof. Uh, he's still wondering what that lesson was that God was trying to teach him. The men from the home of Cornelius the centurion now are at the front gate. Down in verse 18, it says, and they called, asked rather Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. In verse 19, while Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. 
Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Doubting nothing. If you write in your Bible, and I encourage you to, uh, just circle, underline, highlight, doubting nothing. And if you don't write in your Bible, you know the drill. Write it in the person's next to you. Write it in their Bible, okay? Circle there. Even before the word came from, from downstairs, from the people of Simon the Tanner's house, the Holy Spirit was already speaking to Peter about these three men that are, that are waiting for him. God was working uh, in and, and through all of these things to make his will and his plan known, both to Peter as well as to these three men from Cornelius's house. And the Holy Spirit clearly told Peter, arise therefore, go down, go with them, doubting nothing, doubting nothing. Funny, when we look at the the, the accounts not only here uh, on in through Acts, but now as we go on uh, even in the other writings that we see in our New Testament, we don't see Peter doubting or arguing with God ever again. This is like his last time. This seems like, okay, here's the graduation ceremony right here, Peter. This is when you finally get it. It would appear that maybe, just maybe, God was finally getting through this thick-headed fisherman's brain, okay, and into his heart. Verse 21, Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, yes, I'm he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. And then he had invited them in and lodged them. And on the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him also. When God told Peter, arise, go down, go with them, doubting nothing. That whole emphasis you need to understand on doubting nothing is going to be literally the hallmark of God's next great miracle work. These men were probably still standing outside the gate of Simon the Tanner's house. Although Simon the Tanner had the job, or he was a Jew, but he had the job as a tanner, and as a Jew, that would make him continually unclean. So he had to continually, uh, repetitively go through the ceremony, the ritual ceremony of, of, of cleansing himself because of his occupation. But now, standing outside his gate, are Gentiles, in, uh, two Gentile house servants, as well as one Gentile Roman soldier, and he hasn't invited them in yet. Now Peter goes down, he comes downstairs, he hears their story, these two Gentile servants, this Gentile Roman soldier, doubting nothing of what the Lord had told him. He understood fully, and even as these men began to tell him, Cornelius the centurion is a just man and he fears God. He's a Gentile, he's a Roman soldier, but yet he is a just man and you need to connect with this church. He is one who fears God, doubting nothing. God told Peter, I've sent them. We find out this common Gentile, this despised Roman soldier is devoted to God. 
And I believe that suddenly in Peter's brain it started to click. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. On top of that, an angel of the Lord had spoken to him, to Cornelius. He was divinely instructed by a holy angel to come and get you, Peter, and for you to come with us to Caesarea, to Cornelius' house. I think at this point that Peter is probably lost for words. Suddenly that, that vision of the sheet and all these creepy little bugs crawling all around, suddenly it begins to make sense to him. That message of God was coming clear as he stood before these men and he heard their story and how could he doubt at that point? He might not have understood everything at that point, but I believe that the Holy Spirit was, again, giving him assurance that he wasn't the one that was in control, but that God was. Guys, there's stuff that happened within our lives on a regular basis that we may not have a clue what the answer is or the reason behind it. But God has called for us to trust him, doubting nothing. Lord, I don't like this situation. This situation is not a good situation. This situation makes no sense. The end run of this thing, as far as I can see, man, it's, it's a dead end. But God says, no, you trust me. You doubt nothing. You keep trusting me even in the midst, yeah, the midst of that storm, in the midst of that fear, in the midst of that doubt. You trust me, not your own logic. Because you see, God had a divine appointment for Peter. Peter simply needed to be found obedient. The word tells us in 23, then he, Peter, invited the Gentile man, that Roman soldier, in, and he lodged them. Can you imagine the conversation that night? This is probably the closest Peter had been with Gentiles probably ever in his life. I mean, a good Jew just doesn't hang around with Gentiles, okay? Because again, it would make them unclean. I think that that conversation, again, halfway questioning, halfway amazed at what God was doing and how God had been working in Cornelius' household, Peter's eyes getting opened <laughs> further and further, uh, uh, again, to that, that, the, the powerful way of what's going on and the changes that are about to happen, changes that are going to move Peter, change Peter's life dramatically. But gang, it's also going to change the church because we're going to see in just a couple of chapters in Acts that this whole deal of Gentiles coming to Christ outside of coming through Judaism, it destroys the box that they have got in. It, it blows them away. They cannot imagine. And it says that the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Now we're gonna, as far as the, the scripture portion, we're gonna stop right there. But there is some things that I, I, I wanna touch base with you on this morning. Next week, we'll continue on with this chapter and, and move forward from here. But before we close, there's a couple of takeaways I want you to have this morning. I want you to pay really good attention to this, not that you haven't already, but you need to understand Cornelius, he was a man of faith. He was a praying man. He was a man of good reputation, a good man. He was a generous man. But church, you need to understand, even with all of that in his favor, Cornelius was still a lost man. 
That's all we have time for on today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David has been teaching through the book of Acts, introducing you to the early church and how they were radically changed by an encounter with the Holy Spirit. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can listen to more editions of The Open Word. Here's Pastor David. I'm so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. Would you like to listen to more of them? Well, just visit theopenword.com. You'll be directed to our Facebook page where we're adding all of my previous messages for you to listen to for free. Be sure to like and follow that page and feel free to share it with your friends. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to take a moment before we close and ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. Would you pray for us and for our listeners? We know the enemy attempts to hinder the truth of the gospel from being spread. He will stop at no cost to prevent even one heart from turning to Jesus. Thanks for partnering with us in this, and thanks for listening to The Open Word. Do you live in Casa Grande? If so, we'd love to meet you. Come join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Directions can be found at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks again for tuning in and for praying for The Open Word.